Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Imagine with me for a moment that you are a citizen of Corinth in the time of the early church. What would your life be like? What would your day be like? Undoubtedly, your hours would be would be spent making money or uh, acquiring the daily necessities for your own life as well as for the lives of those who depended upon you. If you were male, probably a fisherman or a practice one of the trades. Female, you would probably be caring for the house. But most likely, most likely there would be a daily checklist that was identical for you and every citizen in the city. See, at some point, at some point in the day, you would probably find yourself at the Pyrenee Fountain in the middle of the city to refresh your supply of water. Every day, probably, you would find yourself there. Almost everybody would. And for many of these citizens, that task was a welcome task. They even looked forward to it. Sure, this was a source of reliable, fresh water for Corinth. But, just like the water coolers at work, it was the social center of the city. It's where people gathered, where they socialized, where they shared knowledge and shared news. And everything that they collected, that news and that knowledge, they would bring back to be shared in their own homes. Now in Corinth, there was also a Christian church, one that was experiencing problems. Much like the city fountain, this too was a place where people gathered and drew from the spiritual spring. And what flowed from this, of course, was not water, but God's grace. And it was pure. And it was reliable. And it was life-saving. But you see, this fountain was also becoming polluted with puffed-up knowledge and man-made rules and restrictions. It was dirtied with disagreements over doctrine and, and lifestyles. Divisive questions and opinions and concerns over, over lawsuits, over marriages and singleness and food began to find its way into this church. The proclamation of God's grace was becoming mixed with these man-made contaminants, these man-made opinions and decisions, and, and threatening to sicken all who gathered to drink from that spiritual fountain. 
Paul wanted to, to cleanse what was becoming muddy, what was becoming polluted. And so he wrote that letter. And it became a purifier of sorts. He wanted to remove everything that man was adding, for none of it was necessary. What flowed from that fountain was complete in every way. It needed nothing added. What flowed from that fountain was God's grace. Grace that was earned by Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection. And that was perfect in every way. There's nothing more that was necessary. And so Paul writes, he writes, he says, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of foods offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is, only, there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things, and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols, eat food is really offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We're no worse off if we do not eat or no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, he'll not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when, we, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. So therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. In our time today, we too have a fountain. And it flows with the same grace that Paul was protecting in his time. And if he were writing us a letter... What would he want us to purify? Where in your life, where in my life, are we acting in a way that pollutes this fountain for someone else? Now, you may not be eating 
food sacrificed to idols. I may not be eating food sacrificed to idols. But there are plenty of things that you are doing and that I am doing that create these stumbling blocks for the spiritual weak. For example, have you ever offered somebody a sanitized version of your faith? Or, have you ever thought that a real Christian wouldn't have this kind of struggle or that kind of struggle? Or, or that a real Christian would always do it that way? Have you ever looked down upon the so-called new Christian because they are just way over the top for Jesus, and dare I say annoying? Alright, how about this? Have you ever found yourself talking about others when it comes to some sort of faith topic? I know of a church where the problem of God's grace, what was polluting that fountain, could be found right there in the location of their sanctuary. Where you see that church wanted to launch another worship service, a contemporary one with drums and music and lights. And they put it in the gym. Not a real church, some people whispered. That's for those Christians in name only that come to our building each week to see a show. And of course, the opposite can be true too. You see, we can all point to examples like these in our own lives. What are yours? Where are you contaminating what flows from this fountain? This fountain, this this church fountain. You know, this church fountain, it has a name. His name is Jesus. And from Him springs infinite love of God made manifest in the sacrificial love of our Savior. His death on the cross, unfettered and overflowing, that's the true source of God's grace that flows from this fountain. It's pure. And it's complete. And it is equally available to everyone. No one has more access to it or less access than anyone else. No one has more rights to God's grace or less rights to His grace than anyone else. Through baptism, we were called to this fountain. And we gathered around it, thirsty and in need. We had nothing, nothing, nothing to offer. And yet we thirst. 
We thirst for His forgiveness. And so we ask for just, just a drop on our lips. And He responds. Not with the drop, but with abundance. He overfills us with forgiveness. With His forgiveness and His mercy and His grace. And He sends us out into the world to splash upon others now that which overfills us. But how quickly do we seem to hoard His grace, trying to save every drop of it for ourselves. And instead of serving others, we serve ourselves. Instead of forgiving others, we hold it over them. Instead of limiting our freedoms for the sake of those who are weak, we exercise our freedoms and we create stumbling blocks for them to trip over. Why do we do this? We're baptized. We're forgiven. We have drunk from God's fountain. And yet, we still sin. And yet, we still thirst. God's fountain, it continues to be made available to us. Through His Word, simple bread, simple wine, become the true body and blood of Jesus our Savior. And it flows freely from Him, this fountain, to us as we gather around His table. His forgiveness, it overfills us once again. And once again, He sends us out into the world to splash upon others that which overflows from within us. We are to selflessly serve others by removing anything, especially in our lives, that could become a stumbling block for those who are also thirsting for God's grace. We are to set aside our own ambitions and exchange them for the ambitions of God. Now the people of Corinth understood the importance of the Pyrenean fountain for their physical well-being. But they were beginning to forget about the importance of the spiritual fountain. And in doing so, they were causing many to remain spiritually thirsty and even cut off from the grace that flowed from it. My prayer today is that we do not do the same. So I challenge you, challenge myself with this. Find where you are constructing stumbling blocks for others. And tear 
them down. Pave a path instead. Pave a path that will lead them directly to the fountain of Jesus, where they too can drink from the grace that flows from it, and where they too can be overfilled with the forgiveness and the mercy that it offers, and where they too can be sent out to do the same. Let us pray. Almighty God, Your grace is a torrent, washing over us in the quiet of our hearts and the thunder of Your actions. Help us to receive it, not passively, but actively, letting it overflow into the world through acts of love and service. May our lives be a testament to Your love, a language spoken in deeds, and not just words. In your name we pray. Amen.